This podcast is an unedited excerpt from an MCLE program presented at MCLE's Conference Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Please note that MCLE's products, services, and communications are offered solely as an aid to developing and maintaining professional competence. The statements in this recording may not apply to your circumstances, and no legal, tax, accounting, or other professional advice is being rendered by MCLE or its speakers. For full terms and conditions, please see the MCLE website. Judge Bryson, I'll come over to you. How to deal with SOB lawyers, or in some cases, judges, and I'll let you open it up. Thank you. This is uh, an interesting topic. I think everyone will have some experience that you might be dealing with this, whether it's with other counsel or judges. And I think there's some common things you can do, but there are also some differences in, in handling it if it's opposing counsel versus your judge. For uh, lawyers who are um, difficult, the, the title of it is uh, SOB lawyers. So I think that can mean different things. And uh, you'll often hear uh, judges talk about um, lack of civility or a growing lack of civility, especially on civil in civil cases. This is um, something we've, we've talked about a lot um, since I've been on the bench at least. And it's not just in civil cases, but I think that's the, the realm of, of, of um, conduct that we're talking about. There are some uh, courtesies that uh, lawyers allow each other, whether it be out of court or in court. Um, there's a certain uh, respect that we give each other as counsel. And <clears throat> sometimes you, you may have someone who is um, thinking of this more as a sport or you know, gamesmanship in the litigation because it is adversarial. So there, I think there are a few things that you can do to, to sort of calm things down. We often see uh, in court lawyers who are really sort of at each other. And sometimes it is about the things that have gone on in the case. Sometimes you can tell that it's more personal, that they've really sort of gotten on each other's nerves in the course of this, this litigation. And um, either way, I think there are a few things that can sort of diffuse it and, 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 and calm it down. Um, first, <clears throat> find some common ground. Uh, we, we talk about this with regard to um, uh, being, being personable, being likable, being authentic to a jury quite often because they're the people we're trying to convince uh, of something. And we think, I think we lose sight of the fact that even just amongst ourselves, it's a very important aspect of human interaction, some commonality that we, we share um, that makes me feel comfortable with you and you with me. It could be um, that we like the same sports team. It could be that we're from the same city. Um, it could be that both our daughters uh, play football. It could, it could be any type of um, sort of non-legal, non-litigation related aspect that you have in common 
that you can sort of use to break the ice with people and to make them a little less um, antagonistic. I would, along those lines, request to talk about the case. If you're talking on email, I think that's, that is one strategy and people do that for a reason so that you have sort of a written record of, uh, let's say, offers and demands um, or negotiations. But it leaves a lot to be desired in terms of com actual communication, uh, email. So if you're talking on email with someone who is difficult in, in being short with you or um, uh, just not friendly in, in the litigation, I would request to either meet on Zoom or meet in person. Now, it's a little different now with uh, the pandemic um, in terms of people's comfort level with meeting in person. It, it, it's no different than trying to get people to um, meet, be do in-person depositions or come to the courthouse for matters or do other things that people may still be a little, a little shy about. But to the extent that it is comfortable uh, to both, I would ask to meet um, in a fashion where you can at least see each other face-to-face, uh, -face, even if it's on Zoom and perhaps even in person to actually talk about the case. <clears throat> Those are sort of, you know, in, in terms of your interaction with the person, things that I think that you can do just to sort of bring it down. Of course, you yourself have to not be returning the SOV conduct to, <laughs> to think about those things. So you have to sort of get a hold of yourself and sort of take the higher road um, in order to pull it off. More concretely, though, uh, know the rules. The, the rules are actually fair. So if you're in civil court or criminal court, it doesn't matter. The more um, familiar you are with the rules, what should happen, what can happen, what you can request of the court, uh, I think the better you are at um, uh, writing conduct that is discourteous or um, just flat out disrespectful that's coming in your direction you may actually be able to um, get the court uh, on your side in, with that, in that respect. And it's not always about um, sanctions or things that are, that are uh, punitive, but um, <clears throat> all of the um, tools that are within the rules for you to advance the case and keep moving, despite someone who may be trying to stall or, or stiff arm you. So I think knowing the rules is very important when dealing with difficult counsel. Also, uh, be a better advocate. So when you're actually in court, um, you know, save your, your best effort in argument for your court arguments as opposed to um, being more adversarial in the one-on-one -on -one discussions of the case. And the better advocate you are, and the more you're getting rulings in your favor, I think that tends to quell um, some misconduct as well. And get back up. So it's, uh, it's often the case that in trials in particular, it, it's somewhat of a luxury to be second seated. Uh, you, you, you may not always uh, have that opportunity to have someone there with you. You may try cases by yourself um, and you may just not have be in a situation where you have lawyers that are 
um, available to second seat you. But if you can, that is very helpful because you have yet a second personality, a second um, someone to uh, also experience the interaction and give some um, input on how to deal with the other lawyer and also other strategies in terms of the ultimate goals of the case, because you've got to keep those in mind. The ultimate goals of the case have to do with the client and getting the best result for the client, as opposed to you uh, personally sort of winning in the, in the little sport with the other lawyer. So it's important not to let um, that dynamic uh, overshadow the ultimate goals of the case in which you should have the best interest of your client um, at heart. So any, any assistance that you can get, second sets of eyes and opinions about your interaction with the other counsel can be very helpful, um, especially from lawyers who've dealt with a lot of SOB lawyers themselves. When it comes to judges, uh, I think, you know, this is clearly a different, different ball game. You are, when you are before a judge or in the judge's session, um, it, it really is that judge's courtroom. And as you already know from this practice, uh, you, you might have 85 different ways of doing things. Hopefully that's not really your experience on the Superior Court, but I think in terms of personalities, um, we are all fairly different and you can have um, one experience with one judge and a different experience with another judge. When I was practicing, um, you know, there would often be times where I thought the judge added something negative to the experience of having to go to court, um, advocate for my client, um, try to deal with the um, the fallout of whatever the outcome actually is, and just working on the case. And I did not like when the judge had such um, uh, idiosyncrasies and and things uh, about them or their session that just made it more difficult to actually advocate on behalf of my client. And I also didn't like when judges sort of um, went out of their way to embarrass counsel and to sort of, um, you know, somewhat abuse the, the authority that you already have on the bench. So in, in trying to sort of navigate that, um, one thing that I found very helpful was reconnaissance. Um, I, I'm a Marine, so I'm always talking in military terms, but do a little recon on who it is that you're going to be in front of if you get an opportunity to do that, or at least the, the, the set of judges uh, that you may be in front of, and try to talk to the clerks. Uh, I would routinely uh, talk to clerks and court officers and other counsel that frequent that courthouse or that session and say, well, you know, um, uh, how does Judge Connolly uh, usually deal with um, with bail, you know, what, uh, uh, for these types of cases? Or, you know, what do you think about a, a bail review for this type of matter or the dangerousness or whatever it is that you're going to be doing? And just get the um, opinion of people who've been in front of that judge or worked with worked with that judge um, and get to know, become familiar with the things that are pet peeves, things that are important to um, that particular judge. I think across the board, the, your main weapon uh, for dealing with the difficult judge is to be prepared in their courtroom. 
Um, I don't know a judge, no matter how um, mean or nasty or strict or whatever um, they were, who did not appreciate prepared counsel. And that is for whatever it is that you're doing, whether you are picking dates, um, you know, don't, you know, don't have your, 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 your calendar back in the audience or in the car still, you know, go ahead and get your phone or your whatever kind of physical calendar you use and, and look at what you're going to be looking at. Anything from that all the way up to, to, uh, to your trial and preparing for a trial. It, it, it is never unnoticed uh, when you are prepared or unprepared. And I think when dealing with a judge in particular who may be difficult, the more prepared you are, the less slack you're going to get, probably no matter who they are. All right. um, and with that, we're out of time on this topic. Um, so I am going to move us along and I'll leave the audience with one more anecdote on recon, which is to remind you all that we have a ton of superior court decisions that are available um, either in print or on Lexis or on Westlaw. So in terms of preparing and knowing your audience, if you don't have the luxury of doing your recon internally at your firm, use that as a resource to see how judges in your session or in the superior court more broadly have ruled on similar issues that you're dealing with in the past. Um, those types of decisions, even though they don't necessarily set a precedent, are certainly very helpful in terms of understanding what you should expect. Thank you.